So if you guys could get out your devices. Can you read that okay? Apologize for the daylight washing out the screen. Okay, so if you're from Canada, you need to go to um, the browser and type in what's down on the bottom because for whatever reason, um, your services will not work with a text feature. So if you're from Canada and you want to participate, go to the browser, go to your browser and go to pollev.com slash sgjjr3. Um, if you are from the U.S. and you want to participate and your parents won't be upset with you, text 22333, which I know is not, it's weird because it's not a full phone number, but just trust me, it'll work. Text 22333 and then in the message portion, type in sgjjr3. You should get a response saying that you're participating in a survey now. I'm sorry? This won't charge you, but if you, if you have a, a certain type of plan that charges for texting, you might get charged. Okay, so this, there's no charge to do this. It's through our company and we're not going to make money off you. Yeah. <laughs> so how many people are logged in? Is it, is it working? You got a message saying you're logged in? Okay. Okay, if you don't need to go to the link if you're logged in on the cell. Um, but if, from Canada, are people there? It's not okay. working? Yeah. Oh, it's still loading. Okay, all right, well, we got a little bit of time. I mean, if you're, if you're from Canada, it's not, you're not that important. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's in preparation for the soccer game this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, thanks, everybody, for coming. Let's, uh, we're going to start with a prayer. Uh, so if you could quiet down, put your phones down for a minute. Um, let's start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for an awesome week this week at camp. I um, want to thank you for, for allowing your spirit to move, uh, for working in our hearts. Um, Father, for convicting us, um, each of us. Lord, uh, I know you're leaving it up to each of us to decide what we're going to do with that, con with that conviction, with the call. But we thank you that, that you did call. Um, Father, we pray that your spirit would continue to move, continue to hit us where it hurts. Um, to, to draw us close to you, uh, Father, to shape us. And we pray that, that as we um, just talk a little bit about growing, uh, that, um, that you'd give us all the, the desire to share and that we would each grow um, and that this would be relevant um, and that you'd speak in spite of Darren and myself. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, there's probably a big bunch of you that don't know us. Uh, my name is Bob Varga. Uh, I'm from Beverly Hills, Michigan. And this is... I'm Darren DeGuano. Bob and I have known each other for about 20 years. Uh, we're both from Beverly Hills. What'd you do? I'm sorry. It said... Keep talking. Okay. And we have this really cool forum that's about a bridge in Sydney, Australia. Um, we, we both work together. Um, we've uh, known each other for over 20 years. Uh, and uh, so we've had a lot of experiences together. I'm hoping that uh, 
that what we are able to share makes sense. So part of, um, let's just wait a second here. All right. What we wanted to do is to make this a little interactive. Have you guys ever used Poll Everywhere or something like that at school? Anybody ever use polling at school? Okay, so some of you know what's going on. Um, so this is anonymous. Um, we're expecting you to be honest and sincere with your, um, with your responses via your texting, if you're able to. Um, we're expecting that somebody is going to be a joker and a clown. Um, I mean, you know, it's always the case. But um, the goal will be for you to be honest. We're not tracking you. We don't know uh, who's texting what when we put this up. Um, so you are anonymous and you can be honest and the only way somebody's going to find out is if they steal your phone. Um, and if you delete this text series, this chain, after we're done, then nobody will know. So uh, we wanted to, um, let's see, is it working? Go to the next one. This isn't working. Um, okay, it's hard to see. Uh, my favorite part of camp has been, now use one word answers and type in a one word answer. So far, friends. Still friends? Somebody's really smart. They're saying my class. Nobody can spell Palachinko, apparently. <laughs> so everybody got their answers in. Just wanted to see what people, this, just, this is a test to see. Uh... <laughs> so friends, good singing. God seems to be bubbling up to the top. Basically, um, the way this works is uh, the more a word is used, the bigger it gets. Um, why is what? Yeah, I, I don't know. It probably just doesn't let it happen. Or are you guys not capitalizing it? <laughs> so we see um, we see how this works. Um, it's kind of fun. We've got everything from palachinka to gospel hymns, uh, more palachinka ice cream. I see Vargas up there a lot, which is good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and I didn't pay anybody to do that. Um, basketball. Basketball. So if we move on, what is Right? Um, when I was asked to do this forum, we started talking about it and started asking ourselves, what is growth? What does it mean? Um, and not to embarrass anybody, but I was flying back from L.A. on a business trip, and I was kind of working on the forum, and I was pulling up pictures. And um, I ran across a picture of one of my daughters holding my little daughter. And some of you might know that um, that Leanne, my wife, and I were blessed with what we call a really happy accident, um, where 13 years after our, our youngest daughter was born, we all of a sudden were blessed to have a new, another addition to our family named Mia. Um, and you might see her around. She's this, I think, slightly cute, really cute blondie um, that's running around about that tall. And so I, I found this picture of my two girls, the older one holding the little one. And, you know, the dad. Anybody want to guess what happened? I cried. So here I am on a plane. <laughs> Tears running down my eyes, staring at this picture of my two girls. And I'm like, okay, I can't put that up there. 
Because if I do, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to cry. So, what is growth? Um, is a question. And we started wondering, kind of thinking about what it's going to be. Darren, this, my mouse isn't working, so you're okay. just going to have to advance them manually. Sure. And most of us, when we think of growth, think about things getting bigger or getting better, um, growing in size or maturing. And keep that in mind and think back to what was just up this, on the screen a couple slides ago. Um, all of those things that you experienced at camp this week, did you grow? Were they avenues for growth? All of them? Any of them? When you think about physical growth, it usually comes from a number of things, probably mostly food and stimulus. What you eat, are you eating healthy or are you eating unhealthy, will affect how you grow. Um, stimulus. You know, and so food, um, I design, um, I'm an architect, we're both architects. One of the things um, I design is dining centers for universities. Um, so I'm the food thought leader in our company or the eating expert. Um, <laughs> um, one of the things that universities have come up with, are, they're called dining tables. And they're not dining tables, but they're athletes' dining tables. And the goal was for, for the University of Michigan, for example, right, huge athletic program, um, that they do specific menus for their athletes, high-quality foods, um, healthier foods, all that good stuff. You know what they found out? Anybody want to guess? They didn't want to eat it. Actually, well, I mean, the guys were so famished that um, they didn't eat anything. But kind of what they found out was that it didn't matter what they fed them. It's all about calories. Right? And if I'm burning so many calories as an athlete, it doesn't matter what I eat. I just need to eat. Period, right? So they said, well, we're spending all this money to get you high-end food when it really doesn't matter. One, you're not all that interested in it. Um, but we can feed you burgers and Whoppers and Big Macs and whatever else, and it doesn't matter. Um, so you're going to grow regardless of what you eat. It doesn't, you're going to grow. Now, the consequences in the long term might be different, but you're going to grow regardless of what you eat. Stimulus-wise, um, part of growth is stimulus. If I put you in a room by yourself for the first 15 years of your life and just fed you, you'd grow. All right, but you'd be a weakling. Mentally, you'd be incapacitated. So there's this whole notion of stimulus. Like if you think of, you might have seen images of trees, um, like the tree on the mountaintop that looks all kind of scraggly like this and deformed. Um, or maybe not like this. But uh, it's strong. It's all get out, right? And then you, you see a tree in the middle of a forest. And you ever go for hikes and you see the tree that fell over? What's its root structure look like? Like it falls over and like the whole root gets pulled out with it. It's weak because it's been protected. And so this notion of stimulus is really important too. Right. Um, how, does that, how does that work with, from a spiritual point of view though? Right. And I mean, if, another image is, you know, if you put a fish in a tank that's undersized, it will only grow large enough to fit that tank. So what we want to talk to you about today is how are you feeding yourself spiritually and what might be holding you back? What's the size of your tank? So, another, uh, another one here. I have resisted drawing closer to God because of... Type in a one-word answer. Try and keep it to one word, or a couple words at best. 
works better that way. We put in some examples. Is everybody sending them in? Sending them in? Those are good ones. So one thing that's evident as you start to look at these answers um, is that when we resist God, it's because of what we want to do. Whether it's because we're afraid, which is a big one. I don't want to let go of what I want, kind of pride, um, enjoying life, too busy. You know, you got to have somebody. Let's go to the next slide. The Apostle Paul, when he's talking to the Corinthian church, and um, I've shared this in our church, so people like Samantha know this by heart. What, are the, uh, what is the Corinthian church an example of? Anybody know? Of everything not to do. <laughs> you want an example of what you shouldn't do? Go to 1 Corinthians and read Paul's letter to 1 Corinthians. Everything you shouldn't do is in the letter to the Corinthians, right? They're, they're like an example of don't do this. And there's probably somebody in your life like that, that mom and dad say, um, you know, so-and-so. I'm not going to pick out any names here for that because that's really bad. But there's probably somebody in your life. And that's what the 1 Corinthian church is. And so the Apostle Paul is talking to them, and he writes this letter, and he says... Um, and it's hard to read it in the King James because it's hard to make sense. But he says, oh, ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Like, we, we desire to have a relationship with you. Um, our heart is big towards you. Our heart is huge towards you. But we're not getting it the same way. And he says this thing. He says, you are straightened in your own bowels. doesn't sound all that exciting when I say it that way. But he says, you are constrained. You are tied down by your own desires. You are tied down by what you want. So we're not getting the big heart because you're tied down by what you want. And I'm going to throw it out there to you. Are you tied down by your own desires? Is the, the reason we resist God fear? Or is it also... I really don't want to let go of what I want. I'm tied down by my own desires. That's what that means. You're straightened in your own bowels. Now, he challenges them. He says, I'm speaking as if you're my kids. Enlarge your heart. Let go. Let go. Right? That's the challenge that he's thrown out to the Corinthian church. So what kinds of things cause those desires and cause you to be tied down? Sometimes it's challenges. So if you guys could, how many of you guys have had challenges in your life? So this is kind of an easy question. It's in some ways a dumb question. It's, we're really throwing it out there to prove a point. Um, obviously, we've all had hard times. We've had difficult times. Um, the level of difficulty, I mean, maybe somebody doesn't. Somebody's got a really good life. Um, about 8% of you are having a really good life without any difficulties. 
But most people have had difficulties. The question is, is where are those difficulties coming from? Are they coming because of your desires? Right? I've, I've got things I want to do. And do my, can you trace back your difficulties to your desires? Um, you guys, at, was it Tuesday's forum when it was about going away to college? Was that, was that Tuesday? Tuesday or Wednesday? Remember the letter? Everybody remember the letter that was read? Um, I have a copy of it. And I have a question for you. Um, as as we, you think back to that letter, I'm just going to hit the high points of that letter for a reminder. But tell us, where did the growth happen? So there's a girl. She's a Christian. She was a Christian in high school. She um, goes away to school. Right? That's what we were, you read on Tuesday, I mean on Tuesday or heard about on Tuesday. Um, she was a good, reasonably good, solid Christian in her own mind. She went away to school. She thought everything was going to be okay. Um, she was coming home on weekends to, to mom and dad. Um, so it was only during the week and she would be able to manage it. She was on a co-ed floor um, and her, she had a non-practicing Muslim as a roommate. Um, she realized early on that, uh, that he, you know, the floor is freshmen and senior guys. Remember all that? She realized early on that getting drunk, parties, sexual talk, and sexual activity wasn't restricted to weekends. Um, skip ahead a little bit just to hit you the highlights. She had a senior guy um, tormenting her. She realized after the fact that he was sexually harassing her because he would, I guess, I'm not sure, but if you're pinned down by a guy who's tickling you and not letting you up, that is sexual harassment, okay? Um, just when you're in the moment, I'm being deadly serious, but um, it sounds funny, but deadly serious. If you don't want that to be happening and somebody's doing that to you, that's, you got to call it out. You can't do what she did. Um, she met a guy. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. Even though I was close to my family, I didn't share this, especially not with my parents, because you knew what the parents were going to do. Um, and she was struggling with her biggest problem herself. She met this guy, Ryan, who was a freshman, an engineering student. They started hitting it off, even though he had a girlfriend, and she was a Christian, um, and she was a member of our church, and it didn't take for long for those feelings to grow into more than friendship. Soon she was thinking that she'll bring him to Christ, and then they'll get married. She brought him home to, to meet mom and dad. Bet you that was awkward. Would be at our house. <laughs> Just throwing that out there for everybody. <laughs> um, so uh, her feelings, she was called out by a sister at youth group. Not like her sister, but a, a sister in the Lord. Her feelings got stronger. At one point, she even thought that she could sleep with Ryan. She would lose her church membership, but recognize that God would forgive her, and then he would, they would get married, and he would become a Christian, or maybe not that order. And that night, Jesus fought for her soul. Um, and now she's married, and in hindsight, she had a lot to say. She transferred away from the school. Um, she's been blessed since then. Yeah. Okay, so you remember the story now. So what, what points in the story do you guys think she may have grown spiritually? Just anybody. 
no right answers, but when you look at it, yeah. what do you think she grew? Good. At the end? Okay. I think the whole process of the growing experience, she has to go through the trial and struggles and then realize that God is the only way that she can be able to get out of it and get through. All the way through? All the way through? What do you guys think? At the end? I'll be... You're totally right. Obviously, right? Looking back, too. I mean, there's not only at the end of it, but you look back now. And, that, and it creates growth. She won't do the same thing. She's growing. She was growing through it. Are there key points? Are there key moments where you think there was growth? But when the sister talked to her, do you think there was growth? Even though she rejected it, can we grow even though we reject advice? See some head nodding? There's probably some growth there. Any other points where there was growth? Okay, let's use those. So, this was an aha for us, right? What we were presenting up to this point was this idea that, that everything is linear. But think about this. This girl put herself in a really bad situation. She had the opportunity to bail. This guy was sexually harassing her. She was really uncomfortable. She knew it was wrong. She was grossed out by what was happening, like the barf, the vomit in the toilet and in the shower that she would come back to in her room. So she was totally grossed out by this. She didn't tell her mom and dad. Right? So she knew better. She chose not to, to leave. She chose to be in that situation because she liked this guy, and she still grew. You know what? That's awesome. You know what that means? Hey. If I can choose any path and still grow, that's perfect. Mm. Let's go have a great time. I'm going to grow. I can go away to school. I can throw myself in a really bad situation, and I'll still grow. Is that right? That's, that's what we just figured out. That's what we're saying. What's wrong with that picture? Everybody hear that? There can still be scars. Yeah. What's a scar or two? I said, what's a scar or two or three? You know, no, no big deal. What's a scar? I got some. You're right. Basically and emotionally, scars can. The scars can wreck you. Physically, emotionally. So... That the epiphany for us was that, yeah, we grow in every way. So how do we convince you and how do we explain to you and show you that, that even though I can grow in anything, it's maybe not the best move? So, okay, this is really hard to read. I don't know if it shows up. I know for those of you that are in your web browser, it works. For the rest of you, um, when I approach life and its challenges, how do I approach it? Ready? A is I take... I do what feels right and trust God to insert stimulus where needed. B, I take the path that seems to make the most sense after analyzing all my options. I take the path, C, I take the path that seems to make the most sense and trust God to take care of me. Um, and D, none of the above. So we didn't make it easy. There's no real obvious answer. Um, most people, 
we've got, we got a battle between B and C. <laughs> 42% B, 41, 48% C. So now we're, we're trying to take the path that seems to make the most sense and trust God to take care of me. The trouble with the most set, what's the trouble with taking the path that seems the most, the, yeah, I can't talk today. Um, what's the trouble with taking the path that makes the most sense? I'm sorry, say that one more time louder. When did, when did I, Get up and go out of your, of your kindred's land, make any sense to Abraham. So, you know, Abraham was told get up and go. He wasn't told where to go. That didn't make a lot of sense. What's the problem with choosing the path that makes the most sense? Yes, okay, sometimes we don't know. I mean, it goes along exactly with what um, was being said. Sometimes we don't know what's the best path until we get the hindsight. 2020 is always perfect when you're looking back. Yeah, other people's really, inf- other people's opinions and our friends influence us. Our own emotions strongly influence us. Man, guy, girl things are huge. Right? When you, th- you might not even realize how much you're influenced by the opposite sex or but even by your peers. It's huge. Our heart leads astray. We follow God's heart. So, um, we didn't give you the right answer. <laughs> right. Um, we just gave you none of the above. Right. But here's an interesting question. 30% of you chose B, which talks about analyzing before you make a decision. If that analyzation involves prayer, is that the right choice? You know, growth, um, yeah, we'll keep going. Let's just keep going. So this is Ua Point. Anybody ever go to Ua Point at the Grand Canyon? I know our family did. <laughs> you know what we did? Ooh. <laughs> ah. That's, that's why it's called Ua Point. Um, a person recently fell off of Ua Point. She fell 400 feet, died. She was making room for another guy who was trying to squeeze in. She tripped over her own feet. Um, it looks really cool. Even when we were there, remember how close we got to the edge a couple times? We were even faking, like we were dangling our feet off the edge. But when you look down, there's like another you know, uh, ledge about eight feet down. And of course, Grandma and Grandpa were freaking out. And to see the grandkids doing it, but if you fell, you just fell to another ledge, or you could literally jump down. So, so you kind of have fun with that sometimes. Um, at, at another forum, Thad was talking about the fact that uh, when you go onto the to the edge with sin, sometimes it's pleasurable. You know, we we flirt with each other, we we push the envelope just enough, and we're kind of on that edge with sin. We're not going too far yet, um, and then sometimes we realize, like today, this week at camp you realize that, man, that's not good. So what do you do? You turn your back. 
If you turn your back to sin, where's sin? Right behind you. So if I'm on the edge, and I turn my back to the edge, the edge is still there. I just have my back to it. You need to walk away from the edge. Get away from that brink. Right? We need to remove ourselves from those situations so we don't have the scars. Emotional, physical scar. This was an interesting one. Um, two years ago, this was part of the theme at camp, but we talked about the good ground, the stony ground, and we had um, towns named for each one of these. For those of you that are older teens, you might remember this. Um, in three of the four places, the seed grew. In stony ground, it died because it got too hot. And so it was a fast growth and then a death. Um, among the thorns, it grew, but it got choked out. And it was only the good ground that it grew. And so kind of the point for our, from our point of view is identifying the good ground. Where do we grow? Moving away from the edge, right? All of that. So you can, you can grow in those tough situations. In a couple of those seed situations, you, there was growth. But um, you will probably look back and regret it, as we talked about. There will be scars. Um, I talked about on Monday my scars. And believe me, I wish I could look back in total peace and say, it didn't take that for me to get where I'm at right now. At 45 years old, I wish 45 years ago I'd have known then what I know now. Um, and you all have the opportunity sitting here this week to hear all of your elders, the sermons, the inspiration hours, um, to avoid those 30 more years beyond you now, to look back on pe- in peace instead of regret. You know, there's consequences to sin. There's consequences to the choices we make, and, and maybe we, we're going to grow through them, but there's consequences. Um, and some of those show up a lot later in life. I, I have a friend of mine, a guy from our church, who used to do acid before he was converted. Um, he's converted. Um, his emotional swings are huge, right? Huge emotional swings. Man, Extreme highs, extreme lows. When he goes to the doctor and they talk about why, it's attributed to the, to the hallucinogens that have never left his system. Um, scars, like you were mentioning. So we can be Christians and still be in trouble. Um, in 1 Corinthians, a.k.a. the church that tells us what we shouldn't do, um, the Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthians, he says, I have, to, I have to feed you like I'd feed a baby. I shouldn't have to at this point. But you're like babies. I, you should be old enough now as Christians that I should feed you meat. But I can't. I'm feeding you like I would a baby. Now, what's really cool is if you look at 2 Corinthians, I think I was talking to a couple of young guys here, I mentioned how 2 Corinthians chapter 7 is a really cool letter, um, a part of, this, of the letter. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we see that some of the people grew. You see the results of repentance. So he, they go from being a church that he says, you are babies, to people that grew. But you know what's crazy? Is when you read that, you see 
that there's consequences. You see that there are going to be scars. And you see that some don't make it. And so we're kind of hammering you right now to make the right choices. Right? To not do what the girl did in the letter. Um, to make the right choices. And really to make the right choices so you can live this way instead of in regret. Um, this is the goal, right? The goal is for us to live in peace and contentment with our Lord every day. Um, and in order to do that, though, what does it take? Reading, being in the Word, prayer. But it takes more than that, really, doesn't it? It takes that constantly, for sure. But it, it definitely takes more than that. Um, Hebrews tells us that we have to go beyond that foundation. Yes, we definitely have to keep reading and being in the Word. But we have to take that Word and build upon it, make something with it. That's what Paul was saying in Corinthians, that we need to go beyond the milk. We need to go beyond the foundation and start using that Word out in the world. It can't just sit in here, and it can't just be about you. You have to take that word out. So, start with this. This is, you have to walk before you can run, right? You have to get up every day and make it a point to read and pray. So how many of you, when you aren't sleeping, um, do read every day? How many people read every day? So I got about 4, 5%, 3.25%. I'm really good at math. I'm messing around. How many read once a week, at least once a week? Not including church. Okay, not including church. That's cheating. So how about step one, accelerating your prayer life and your reading life? Okay? So... I was talking to a guy um, who wants to become a Christian. He's been called here at camp, too. Um, but he was called even before camp. He reads twice a day. I thought that was amazing. It made me, put me to shame. Twice a day. He reads in the morning, and he reads at night. I'm like, man, if I, if I, that's what I need. I mean, anybody read twice a day? I got three people, I think, that I saw hands go up. That's awesome. That's awesome. Keep it up. Right? Twice a day. And even if you can't right now, aspire to do that. So, let's say we start with that as the baseline, and then we go to this. So that picture is a lot better when we don't have the sun streaming in. That's a little girl with the messiest face in the world. Um, messiness. If I say messiness in life, what does that mean to you? What's messiness in life? Out of control. Messiness in life. Making mistakes. What else? Messiness. Unclean. In what way? Give me a little bit more detail. Dirty. Your life is dirty and gross. Okay. What else? So mean back messy there. situations. Inconsistency. 
How about messy situations then? Okay, so now we talked about messiness. So everything you guys have been throwing out has been great, but it's been personal. How about, what's a messy situation? Okay, having an addiction, being a slave to sin. Great. What else? Others. Other thoughts in addition. Confusing. Not knowing what's right and wrong. How about being upset with somebody? Is that messy? Yeah? Why is, why is being upset with somebody messy? Samantha? Have you ever been upset with somebody? Tell me why that's messy. Okay, did you hear what you said? Throws off your whole day, your whole attitude, it messes with you for a while. Anybody have anybody be upset with them? Is that messy? Why is that messy? Why is it messy when somebody's upset at you? Tell me how your day goes. So it's usually because you've done something, then they're not nice to you. You ever show up just to church and somebody doesn't talk to you? Yes. <laughs> Fun? Right? See, now that's awesome. Because that's the difference between girls and guys. Because the girl actually starts to worry about what I did wrong. <laughs> what does the guy do? What's it? I don't care. <laughs> They'll get, ready? Here's a guy's attitude. They'll get over it. <laughs> right. Now, no, guys don't do talk. Guys do not go and talk to the person right away. That's the last thing guys do. Because <laughs> we don't talk about stuff. Um, we just say, it'll go, it'll, they'll get over it. Right? right? But girls, you care about your relationship. Um, guys are so shallow in their relationships um, in 90% of the time. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Um, more often than not, more often than not, girls worry about the relationships at a deeper level, and they'll, they'll spend the day worrying about it. It's messy. It's messy. So I'm going to tell you that growth happens in the messiness. Growth happens in the messiness. You have to have the basics that Darren pointed out of knowing the word, but you have to go beyond the word, and you have to find the messy situation. You have to live in the messiness to grow. That's what I'm throwing out there. That's our proposal to you. The messiness may find you, and this is different than the letter that we read earlier. We're not saying abandon values. We're not saying just intentionally put yourself in a bad situation without support. We're just saying you can't stay in your room and read the word and, can, and figure that you're going to grow. Messiness will find you, or you find it with God behind you. So I'm struggling to be at church because... Dot, dot, dot. A, of school demands. There's going to be time for church after I'm done with school. I know that's a problem for some people. Of extracurricular activities. I got so much stuff going on after school that I, I can't get my schoolwork and my extracurricular stuff done. So of extracurricular activities. If I want to improve my skills, I need time to practice. I'm struggling 
to be at church because of my job. I need the money. Um, because of my friends outside of church. So 57% right now, 50% are saying because of school. 25% uh, are because of friends. 21% are because I got stuff to do after school. So let me, let me ask you a question. Where's the messiness in this? You shouldn't put anything before God. Where else is the messiness that's good? Good answer. Great. Where's, where else? Where's messiness in this? Our priorities. Kind of going along with, shouldn't put anything before God. Right now we're having to make choices. The choice that I make helps me to grow. The tricky thing is, is that the choice, if I make the wrong choice, I end up with regret. It's messy. But I, but I have to do well in school. Because I, got a, I need a career. Yeah. Because I need to make money. That's right. Because I want that Porsche. But how do I do that and make sure I'm at church when I need to be? I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. It'll come later. Yeah. When I'm mm -hmm. 23. You think I'm so? I'm working for Google. You think so? I've got making $100,000 a year and I can drive my Porsche and then I'll get baptized, right? Yeah. Or do you pray about it and make sure that God helps you balance? That's an ugly word, balance. God can do it. Go to the next one. You had a long day at school and have a ton of homework and other things to take care of. As you're leaving, you overhear a fellow student being bullied. So, you avoid eye contact, but make a mental note and plan on following up with the counselor the next day, or even with the student the next day. Um, you wait until the aggressive students leave, and then you go and check on the bullied student. You stop and interrupt the aggressive students, offering an encouraging word. 67% would stop the bullying going on. Really? You know what I think? I think you guys are all like amazing in your own heads. 67% of you stopped every time there was a bullying incident going on, there wouldn't be any bullying. We all think we're going to stop. But if we're honest with ourselves, how many of you avoid contact? How many of you look the other way? How many of you say, he deserved it? Okay, so I guess it changed. Now we're saying, we're waiting until the aggressive students leave. That's maybe a little bit better. Go on to the next one. Oh, this one's really close to home. I don't get along with somebody at youth group. So we just don't talk to each other. Well, that's a guy's solution. Um, and do our best to avoid each other. It's not that bad. It's not like we hate each other. Is anybody willing to acknowledge that they've thought that before? I see hands like way in the back where nobody else will see you raise your hands. <laughs> okay, I saw a couple of hands here. So, okay, we know that that actually happens. 
Um, I interact, but I usually get frustrated with them, so I keep my thoughts to myself. And then every once in a while, they slip out. And when they slip out, boy, do we have messiness, right? Isn't that exactly what happens? You know what's funny is that happens in marriages. That happens at the workplace, too. Um, That happens in family relationships. Um, I wait it out. Anybody ever try to figure things out and fix it? Anybody ever try to fix a a situation where they were upset with somebody? How'd it go? Which is why we default to A. That's another hand back there. How'd it go? Who else did it? Uh, actually went uh, pretty well. It was just a misunderstanding on both sides. Awesome. Awesome. So where's the messiness in this situation? Where's the messiness for you? What's the conflict? Explain. Your intentions? That's the messiness. Okay? Good. What else? Where is the conflict here? What's the problem? How you go about doing it? Yeah so, the, yeah, so the messiness is all of these. What are, why am I trying to fix it? What are they going to, how, how is this going to happen? Right? And then what are the, what's the result going to be? I'm going to try to fix this, and we already pre-think in our mind. Maybe it's just me. I'm the only one that probably does this. Right? But I kind of analyze in my head how they're going to respond. <laughs> right? I'm a little weird, but I think through, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to say this, they're going to say this, and it's going to go bad. Forget it. It'll, they'll just get over it. Growth happens in that messiness, right? That's where growth happens. The, the willingness to, find, to figure out my intentions, my motives, and to make them pure. This, the, 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 somebody in my class, um, we talked to 21, 20 and 21 year olds, somebody in our class said, their sanctification is more important than our relationship to a question that we were talking about. I care more about your sanctification than I care about our relationship. That's how much you mean to me. If that's the case, dude, that's awesome. But are we there? Are we willing to break a relationship because we care so much about somebody's salvation? I don't Most of the time, no. Is there another one? No. So we, why do we avoid those messy situations then if they lead to growth? Um, I mean, sure, if we can avoid them, we can live maybe in peace and contentment with, with Jesus. But I think what we're saying is, in order to really fully achieve this, you have to get into the messiness. In order for this to happen, you can't avoid the messiness, right? So what do we do to try and achieve this and avoid the messiness? How many of us have said... I wish I had another hour in the day. I just need another hour to get this done. And then say you do come up with time. What do you do with that time? What kinds of things do you do to fill your time? Maybe the phones and devices you've been using to take this poll. 
So this, this notion of time is hilarious because you're going to find that you're never going to have enough time. The time that you have now, and if it's tough now, is only going to get worse. But yet, when we find the time, what do we do with it? That's the hilarious part, is what do we do with the time that we have? Um, right now, you might be on your devices with the time that you have. You might be watching flicks, Netflix on your phones. Um, you might be doing other things, but do we use it for the Lord? Uh, for growth to happen, we have a really kind of cool example that I've shared in our church. So for our folks, um, hold your tongues and just bide your time. But remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? Anybody remember what happened before that? Anybody remember what happened before? This shows why you need to know the Bible. What happened before Jesus fed the 5,000? Anybody? He preached to him, right? Okay. What happened before that? Let me give you some hints. They crossed the lake. Anybody remember why they crossed the lake? They were planning to rest. Anybody remember why they were planning to rest? So actually, they were preaching before, but it's actually even kind of more interesting than that. So if you look at Matthew 14 and you look at Matthew 13, the, the 70 are sent out two by two. Remember that story? Jesus sends out the disciples two by two. They come back and they want to tell Jesus about what happened. Now, remember, they didn't bring, their, they didn't bring clothes with them. They didn't bring food with them. Right? So they're probably a little bit tired, but they're excited to tell Jesus. They come back. They want to tell Jesus. But what's the problem? Jesus is doing what? You said it. He's teaching and preaching. Right? So maybe you didn't say it. Somebody else said it. Sorry. He's teaching and preaching. So what do they do? They cross the lake. What happens when they cross the lake? Jesus is moved with compassion because all those people showed up. Remember what the disciples did? It says they pulled up their pants. What's the implication of pulling up your pants? What's that? <laughs> okay, you're a low rider. Okay. What's the other implication of pulling up your pants? <laughs> right. It's time to get to work. Do you ever, like, when you're going to get busy, you pull up your pants? If they're low riders and you're going to start working, you pull up your pants a little bit. They pulled up their pants. They were going to get to work. Remember what the disciples said when they were finished teaching? Bear with me on this. This actually is really interesting. What did the disciples say when they finished teaching? Before he fed the 5,000. Send them away, Jesus. Send them away. I wonder why they said send them away. They just come from a journey. They wanted to tell Jesus about what they did. They were all excited about it. They rode across the lake, for crying out loud. And then they got there. Then they had to sit there and teach and explain everything that Jesus was telling for the whole day to like about 10,000 people. And now, it's time to go. And Jesus says, how much food do we have? And then we have the feeding of the 5,000. What's the lesson there? What's the lesson? What's, why am I sharing that? Why am I sharing that? Anybody? The faster you answer, the faster you get out of here. 
What's the point? beyond what you expect. The disciples were done. They were done on the other side of the lake. Now, you know what's funny? Is the story doesn't end. After they feed the 5,000, Jesus says, I'm going up to the mountain. Anybody remember what he does and says to the disciples? Get in the boat. Row across the lake. I'll meet you on the other side. This is all the same day, people. And what happens in the middle of the lake, about the third watch, according to the King James Version? We get a storm. And now we get Jesus walking on the water. And the disciples learn. They've got to go further than I thought to see a miracle. That when I'm done, Jesus is only getting started. When we're looking for the break, that's when Jesus is actually starting to work. So when we pull up our pants, gird up our loins, is what the King James calls it, and get to work, that's when we see the miracle. That's when we see the miracle. In one day, the disciples crossed a lake twice, fed 5,000, preached, and saw Jesus walk on water. For you to grow, it's time to stop worrying about how much time I'm giving to, to the Lord and give him all you got. And when you think you're done, give it some more. And then you'll grow. So the disciples definitely grew from that, I would say, right? Um, but Psalms tells us that the benefit's not just to you when you grow spiritually. The benefit is to those around you. So all of the people that you touch and impact have, have potential for growth. That's tremendous. The opportunity that you have for God to work through you and allow others to grow is amazing. If you remember back to where we started and we talked about physical growth and we said that's usually about getting bigger, the interesting thing maybe about spiritual growth is you need to get smaller. What we've talked about today is you need to get smaller. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he can increase. And that's the only way spiritual growth can happen. Going through the hard times and the messiness, uh, the results is going to be that regardless of what's going on around me, I'm okay. I'm not like a, a ship tossed on waves. I'm not tossed about. Yeah, life is hard. I'm okay. Right? That's the result. And the last one is, um, so Stephen is being stoned. They're throwing stones at him. They're killing him. He looks up and he sees Jesus. Probably not an easy way to grow, but the ability to look forward and not worry about where I'm at. Um, I want to thank you for, for participating, for your patience. Hopefully it was a little fun.
um, and hopefully you learned something.